This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. All right, so the time is eight minutes past the hour of 10 o'clock. I see people online going, What's going on with Lerato's voice? Angas nambandla, angas, angas. If I'm getting full tenure this weekend and work it out, what exactly is going on? Because I'm, I, I don't have the flu. I just have a voice that's disappearing. Uh, but um, we keep on keeping on. I'm in good spirits. Just the croaky voice. Um, and we carry on. Okay, so thanks for your patience and thanks for your concern, Power Fam. We're now speaking to Mbegazeli Benjamin, a researcher at Judges Matter. And this is related to a report that's really telling us about the state of the courts. Now, we know that the courts are overrun uh, administratively. Um, There's a huge shortage of clerical staff um, and processing cases that come on the roll take a long, long time. And I know that people say justice delayed is justice denied. Um, And then there have been issues as well that have been brought forward to uh, the Judicial Services Commission around judges that don't get their judgments uh, done on time, uh, often delaying the conclusion of a case by a year or 18 months. And again, it goes back to issues of capacity and human resources actually within the judicial services because, you know, we seem to think judges are these um, uh, super, supernatural people, shall we say that? Um, and they're not actually employees <laughs> of of um, the judicial system and they have to also have leave days, sick leave, and they have some of those labor rights. Uh, We just think they should be part of the churn. But in the midst of that churn uh, where um, judges themselves get overwhelmed and their staff get overwhelmed, then a few things start to slip through the cracks. And so a report by the University of Cape Town's Democratic Governance and Rights Unit has unveiled two pioneering research reports focused on magistrates' courts in particular. The initial report was titled Under Pressure. Uh, And it presents findings uh, from comprehensive research involving 280 magistrates nationwide looking into their perceptions of the working environment, the courts, factors that lead to case overloads, the infrastructure of the courts, and then, of course, the pressure to conclude cases uh, without all the requisitive administrative tools. Uh, And that leads to stress levels. Um, And then when you're dealing with a particularly controversial case, then there are issues of safety. You know, you'll recall late last year, two witnesses were gunned down outside of the Randburg Magistrate's Court on the morning in which they were meant to deliver their testimony. It happened in broad daylight, 8 a.m. in the morning, witnesses being gunned down. So security and safety have also become issues that judges uh, are concerned about. And then also the way uh, we all work now following the COVID-19 pandemic, where we need more flexible hours. People are calling for a four-day work week, uh, working from home. And then also we've seen testimonies that are now being given uh, via a virtual online platform and the technology that's needed. All of those things are kind of changing how you work within the judicial system. On top of that, and this is interesting for me, 16% of female respondents in the study talk about sexual harassment or knew about magistrates 
who themselves had faced harassment. So this is, I mean, this is, you know, this is abhorrent on any level, but this is highly disrespectful. So a magistrate is presiding over your case. She happens to be beautiful. And then when you decide, I mean, what is happening here? Just in terms of the corrosion of decorum and ethics in our society. And this report really points us to some of these things. So Mbegazeli Benjamin, a researcher, Judges Matter. Good morning. And I'm really sorry about your voice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Good morning to the listeners as well. Thank you. As long as it's not jarring, but um, the voice. So we carry on because it's not painful. It just is what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people will say you talk too much. You ought to just look at this as a cue to just keep quiet for some time. (laughs) That's also true. I I will accept that. Okay, Uh, Baba, so help us. What is this uh, Democratic Governance and Rights Unit telling us? Yes, so um, the DGRU, the Democratic Governance and Rights Unit, um, is an applied research unit of the law faculty at, at the University of Cape Town. Yes, sir. And what the research aimed to do was really trying to get an understanding of the magistrate's court, because um, the vast majority of South Africans will only ever access the magistrate's court. They are in rural, small rural towns, they are in big cities, they are all over the country. And so what the DGIU report uh, said to do was really to understand what was going on. And like you said earlier, the focus of the research was on the court infrastructure, um, the workloads that the courts uh, are facing, um, the stress levels that magistrates themselves are facing, uh, issues of safety in court, um, perceptions of corruption, um, which uh, is a new phenomenon. And then we're also trying to understand what has happened uh, since the COVID-19 pandemic, because we know that the after effects of the pandemic are still live with us, but we really try to understand what 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 does that look like and and the reason why we did that was because we did a first run of this particular survey which was in 2019 and and we found um quite startling results for example um that 43% of the magistrates at the time had said that they had been threatened or harmed due to their role as magistrates and so people who are trying to influence the case one way or the other were were using threats and intimidation Mm. to try and influence the the magistrate. So we went back in 2022 uh, to really try and understand what has happened since. Okay, and what has happened since? Well, a number of things. Um, The the first thing really that we, we saw was that magistrates were saying that they are increasingly under pressure, and which is why the title of the report is called Under Pressure. They are facing pressure from external and internal. So some of the internal pressures are issues of workloads. So they are saying that um, the workloads that they are having to carry, the caseloads, have gone up, um, which makes sense because we know that the crime levels have gone up, we know that the population has gone up, but the, the challenges that magistrates face is that the resources that they have have not kept up with the, yeah. with the uh, workload that they're carrying. So the clerical issues, administrative issues, issues of basic pen and paper at court, is, is, is they, they are having difficulties with those kinds of things. So they're saying that the workload has really gone up and so they're feeling the pressure. But they're also uh, feeling pressure from 
um, new phenomenon like corruption, like sexual harassment. So one of the interesting things that we found was that um, magistrates, uh, about like uh, 16 to 20 percent, said that they had either witnessed someone um, offering a bribe or another magistrate being offered a bribe. And, and that, again, was so that someone can influence either the process of the case or the outcomes of a case. And, and that is something for us was really um, startling. And then, of obviously, the issue of sexual harassment. 16% of the female respondents to the survey said they, they had either experienced sexual harassment themselves or they have seen someone uh, experience sexual harassment in the courts. And, and the, the most startling part about it was that at least a, a chunk of the respondents said that the sexual harassment actually came from other magistrates. So, so that tells you about the environment that magistrates are working under, which, is, which doesn't seem to be safe and it's really concerning. Okay, so there's misogyny inside the judicial, the judiciary, because se- sexual harassment really is born of just a brazen disrespect of women and sexualizing them and seeing them as objects. So people who are supposed to be adjudicating matters that speak to the spirit of the constitution don't even understand it. That's that's what you're telling me, basically. Yes, that that is actually a summary of of what this. Um, uh, survey really shows is that the misogyny just as it is a problem in the rest of society, even people who should be upholding the constitution who should be upholding the law and who have so many um, I mean so much integrity that we should be expecting from them, they are actually not holding the line. They are, the, some of them are perpetrators of, of harmful uh, gender uh, practices like misogyny mm-hmm and sexual harassment, it is really a concern. Okay, and and, and I think, you know, um, I think some experts who say the things we see in politics, in law, in our shopping centers, remember these are just microcosms of what the values in that society have become. So judges themselves are uh, members of society before they are judges, and those prejudices come into the workplace as well. Yeah, that is that is unfortunately the the sad reality. Um, but also one of the other things that we we tried to look at at the at the, um, during the survey was really looking at things like court infrastructure, which is something that um, a lot of us who've been in the courts would have experienced. That in some of the courts, it's actually quite um, struggle to get in because issues of um, the the, the lifts building aren't itself. Working. Mm-hmm. Yes, so that is that is often a challenge, but the 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 other thing that we found, which is which is really we shouldn't be surprised, but we are concerned, is the issue of load shedding. So once there is load shedding in the courts, some courts are not functional at, at all, and and this impacts obviously on on justice. But when magistrates were telling us that the norms and standards that they are supposed to be working on, they say that a minimum of four and a half hours of the court should be spent in court. But if there's load shedding, that that four and a half hours can easily be cut to one hour in a day, which is really, really concerning if you consider that people have traveled long distances to attend court cases, they've spent their last money on taxi fare, and now they're having to be Mm. postponed to another day. So this has an impact on people's 
feeling of justice. They they feel that the justice system is not working for them. They take their cases are dragging along, and and they are taking too long to finalize. And and that for us is another concern. And you know, um, there was a court case. Um, that was brought forward last year, in fact, I think to the Constitutional Court, uh, I stand to be corrected, where um, civic groups were saying that this should be uh, public services that are exempt legally from load shedding. And it should be police stations uh, and hospitals, and there was a third category as well. Uh, I'm interested to find out why courts uh, weren't put in on that list. Yeah, well... Considering how important courts are um, to our society, you would think that they would also be on the list um, of exempted um, public facilities. Yeah. But of course, ESCOM told us that they, they have difficulties in sort of exempting some of those uh, facilities because courts, in especially magistrates' courts, are really embedded in the communities in which they sit. Whether you go to the township or you go to the uh, rural areas, they are really embedded there. So it's difficult to isolate the court uh, versus the, the rest of the community, which, which sort of makes sense. And one of the things that we have really been calling on the Department of Justice to do is to provide alternative power to the district court. Um, and to give them some credit, in the high courts, they have tried to install generators. Mm. And where they couldn't install generators, they installed solar power panels. But in the magistrate's courts, by and large, they have really left them in, in, in the dark. Uh, and they, they really have not uh, gone as far to install issues like alternative power, right. like generators. So it is really a concern. And, and, and for us, um, it, it, part of the research was really to understand how big of a problem it is. Right. And in fact, we, we, we tried to do a, a second survey which now looks at court users, and, and that also okay. came up with some interesting results. Okay, before we look at the second survey, let's talk about security. I mean, I just referenced something that was, for me personally, quite shocking. Uh, late last year, outside the Ramberg Magistrates Court, there was a case involving police corruption, and two witnesses who had been in protection were told up until the day of their testimony, then showed up, uh, at court that morning and were gunned down that very morning outside the court. So if that's happening to witnesses, what more judges who are intimidated to rule one or either way? Yeah, that that was also something that we found um, really, really uh, startling in the survey, which is, what, which is that one in three magistrates um, had either been physically harmed or in, intimidated um, by um, someone who wanted to influence the case. So you're right to reference the, the incident at Randberg. We know that there was a, 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 another incident that happened at Weinberg Magistrates Court in Cape Town, where a witness was gunned down outside the court in broad daylight. So that that is the shocking part about it. It, it happens in broad daylight. People are not even waiting for the, the cover of, of darkness yes, yeah. to do some of these things. And so the magistrates, they, they also told us that, that a third of them said, we have been threatened or harmed because of our role as magistrates. And, and what we also tried to understand um, with this piece of research was to really track and track whether there have been incidents where, magist- where, where we can find things are reported. There were a few cases um, that 
either came at the magistrates' commission when we attend interviews. Magistrates would, would often seek transfers to different places. There was a magistrate just in the last cycle. There was a magistrate from KZN who wanted to be transferred out of KZN because they had received threats from a local taxi association. And the threats mm. came because they had denied bail to one of the members of the taxi association sure. and they had received threats. There was another magistrate in, in uh, a, a town in the Karoo in the Western Cape um, who had again denied bail to someone in, in that, in that uh, town. And what happened was the magistrate's family who lived more than 300 kilometers away on the west coast of the Western Cape, they, were, they received threats. So they, they didn't threaten the magistrate them, themselves. Mm. They threatened their family, knowing fully well that the magistrate lives 300 kilometers mm. away and wouldn't reach home quite easily. So those instances do worry us. Um, they, they do tell a story about our society, unfortunately, that yeah. we, 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 the rule of law, the respect for um, institutions, yeah. the respect for people in institutions yeah. is going down. It is yeah. a worry. Completely. And it's sounding more and more like a mafia state um, from the way you're describing things. Okay, judges and magistrates have complained about remuneration, that for the workload, the hours involved, plus these health and safety uh, personal hazards, they are literally not being compensated enough. Yes, so that is also something that came out in the survey. So the question that we asked the magistrates was, what is the biggest source of stress or concern for you? And the vast majority of them, well over 75%, said that remuneration was um, a, a cause of stress. And, and we, we tried to understand what, what do they mean by this. And a lot of them came up to us to say, look, our remuneration has not kept up with inflation, first of all. There were a couple of years where they actually received 0% increases, which means that it, because inflation is going faster and faster, mm-hmm. the, the, your salary, the money that you take home, yeah. is, is going uh, down further and further. Uh, you can't keep up with the cost of living. Um, but the other interesting thing was that the people that they started with, so people who stayed on as prosecutors or in private practice, they their salaries have sort of outpaced the magistrates. So there's sort of now no longer any incentive for you to give up private practice for you to become a magistrate, which is really concerning if you think about the pipeline of, of magistrates coming in. And of course, there are issues of um, how the remuneration is, is calculated because unlike judges, judges get a salary for life. Uh, until they die. But magistrates, at some point, they have to go in retirement and they have to live on the income that they have earned throughout Mm. their working life. And so if your income is not keeping up with inflation, you can imagine the stress that you get um, when you go to retirement. And a lot of the magistrates actually um, are actually in the older category. People are almost at retirement and these are some of the stresses that they feel and yeah. and the, the risk in all of this just one one last point on this the risk is that if you're not paying magistrates well then it's easy for them to be susceptible to bribes because there are other people who can offer them the money that the state is not giving them so it is a risk 
to our um, judicial system. It is a risk to judicial independence right. if you're not paying um, judicial officers well. Uh, Mbegazeli, if you could just give me a very brief answer on this one. You know, you've just alluded to the remuneration, the differences between judges being paid for life, a salary for life, and a magistrate having to rely on what they earn right now. And we do know that the judge uh, presides over a superior court, whereas a magistrate runs a regional, a smaller, or a district court. But why would they have two very different statuses within the within the judicial system? Why would one job be more secure than the other? Well, it is a, it is a, it is a question of our history, uh, unfortunately. Magistrates were, until 1994, were seen as civil servants. And so they were covered uh, under the civil servant and then judges were dealt with under a different category. That issue has not yet been resolved, and it's, it's something that Chief Justice Zondo um, is... He actually met with the president on the 13th of December yeah. to to try and resolve that issue and bring everyone under the same umbrella, because even now, magistrates fall under the Department of Justice and judges fall under the Office of the Chief Justice, mm. which are two different departments. It is the only department, only state institution that is governed by two different wow. state departments. So this is, it is so an, revealing. Thank you for yeah. that. Okay, and then the second report, very briefly, was titled Is Dima. The first was Under Pressure. The second is Dima. And now this one looks at court users, particularly those in rural areas, how they experience the court. Uh, and then obviously in two provinces uh, in the urban districts too. So tell us a little bit more. So is it Dima? Um, that report was a report of court users. It's the first time that we're running a, a, a research survey on court users. And the most uh, interesting thing that we found, which is a surprise for us, was that 90% of the respondents said that they were treated with dignity and respect when they went to the courts. And which is why we called it is it Dima, which means dignity. Um, it, it For us, that was a, a surprising thing because it seems as if people's experiences of the courts overall is positive. And, and that for us is something that gives us some at least positivity in, 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 in within this gloom, uh, within the negative, mm-hmm. there is some positive. And so people experience the courts uh, positively, but as the more times that you go to court, that 90% goes down. So the delays that happen in court processes do frustrate people and people who initially were positive, they start to become less mm-hmm. and less positive. So that is something that is for us is a recommendation is for the Department of Justice to do more to avoid the delays that come with the court processes. Uh, thank you so much for that. So again, that whole philosophy of justice delayed is justice denied. And the more people have to sacrifice to go to court to conclude a matter, the matter isn't concluded, is the less their confidence in the judicial system. And so if we, if we want people to believe in the justice system, the justice system must deliver justice swiftly for people to really believe that they've been seen, they've been heard. But for justice to work Quickly, you need to beef up the resources, the infrastructure, the pay and the security in which uh, uh, justice is administered. The experience of magistrates, clerical staff and those who work in the course has to be a functional uh, working environment for justice to be delivered on time. And so you need the two sides to work well. If I've understood you well, Mbegazeli Benjamin.
Yes, absolutely. We share is Congo Yeah, <laughs> University of Cape Town's uh, Democratic Governance and Rights Unit conducting two studies under pressure and estima about how the court systems work for the presiding officers and their staff and for the users. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.